BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Did you know? Pokemon Diamond and Pearl were planned to be the ultimate Pokemon games. To unite Game Freak behind this concept, director Junichi Masuda made a summary outlining the philosophy and attitude he wanted for the new games. In an excerpt published on his blog, Masuda describes the game's world as the world of tomorrow, the world of the distant future, an ideal world, also an ultimate world. Masuda summarized his hopes for the game with two symbols, a diamond as a symbol of love and a pearl as a symbol of happiness. Masuda wanted people from all over the world to come together, and made this a reality with the Global Trade Station. For the first time in the series' history, players were able to trade Pokémon online. Pokémon Diamond and Pearl had many firsts for the series, such as 3D technology. Deciding how to implement 3D visuals took Game Freak a long time, as they wanted to ensure this new approach worked with Pokémon's art style. While the team tried to create the best-looking visuals they could using the hardware, they were also concerned about accessibility. They wanted players to understand the game easily. Like in previous Pokémon games, the overworld was based on tiles so that players can easily navigate the world. Diamond and Pearl were also the first games in the main Pokémon series to use touchscreen inputs. The lower screen's interface was carefully considered and designed to be used without a stylus. The first time Masuda saw Shigeru Miyamoto using a stylus on a prototype DS, he was struck by how unnecessary it seemed. He reasoned that people should only need a stylus in two scenarios, when the screen is too small or when the user needs to manipulate small objects. He felt that touching the screen directly was a lot more intuitive, and that it didn't make sense to call it a touchscreen otherwise. When he suggested the game be played using the player's finger, Masuda was met with resistance. Game Freak staff feared the screen would become smudged and dirty. Masuda argued that children were unlikely to care how dirty their console was, and that the obsession with cleanliness was a Japanese mindset. He even took pictures of people playing the DS using their fingers. Little by little, Game Freak came around to his way of thinking. Graphically, Takao Uno was unsure about using his thumb to touch the DS's screen at first, but over time, changes to the UI reduced those fears. The options on the lower screen were all color-coded and made extremely large so the player could make selections without taking their eyes off the top screen. The big bold buttons also made it easier for young children to play the games, as they may not have learned to read yet. The fight command was made especially large, with the Pokémon's four moves hidden behind it. The commands were laid out this way so that players would need to move their finger as little as possible when choosing their attack. Another priority for designers was to help attract new people to Pokémon. Nintendo's strategy with the DS was to broaden the console's appeal to include casual gamers. President and CEO of the Pokémon Company, Sunakazu Ishihara, welcomed the approach. He felt that it was a perfect fit for Pokémon, a series designed with younger children in mind. The UI on the lower screen was designed to draw attention and pique the curiosity of people nearby. Masuda imagined the ease of use could draw people closer together. A grandfather may lean over his grandchild's shoulder to touch the screen, and while the child may be annoyed at first, it may create conversation between the two. The Sinnoh region where Diamond and Pearl takes place is based on Hokkaido, the northernmost island of Japan. Snowy areas were added to make the setting feel more northern than previous generations. The day and night cycle returned from Pokémon Gold, Silver, and Crystal to take advantage of hardware improvements on the DS. The DS has an internal clock and was able to display hundreds of times more colors than the Game Boy Advance, making a night and day cycle a natural fit. One mechanic which Game Freak reconsidered was the physical and special stat split. In the first three generations of Pokémon, all attacks of a certain type were either physical or special. For example, all fighting-type moves were physical, 
while all Water-type moves were special. This meant that Pokémon like Gyarados, a Water-type with a high physical attack, was unable to reach its full potential. Diamond and Pearl instead split moves into physical or special categories based on their context. Game Freak's efforts paid off, as the release of Diamond and Pearl saw a surge in popularity of competitive Pokémon. In 2009, the Pokémon Company even began hosting the Video Game Championships, a competition that saw champions from a number of local regional events come together to battle. While the games were announced for a 2005 release, Diamond and Pearl were pushed back to a December 2006 launch in Japan. Despite this, the games shipped with a number of bugs, most notably a glitch where the player could surf on certain tiles and clip through the wall and out of bounds. Crafty players discovered that by moving a certain number of steps while out of bounds and then saving and reloading the game, they could spawn on the overworld in places they weren't supposed to. This allowed them to catch certain mythical Pokémon like Darkrai and Shaman, who were supposed to be locked behind a special Nintendo event. These bugs were removed in the international versions of the games. While all of these areas would be made accessible through Nintendo events, the Hall of Origin, where the player could catch Arceus, was not. The Azure Flute, which was needed to access the area, was never distributed. In an interview with Nintendo World Report, Masuda revealed that after the game was complete, he decided the Azure Flute was too confusing for people and kind of hard to understand, and so he chose not to distribute it. Whether he was referring to the flute's mechanics or its in-game context is unclear. Pokémon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum also received some censorship across the world. The Game Corner was made inaccessible in European and Korean versions of Pokémon Platinum to comply with the new PEGI regulations regarding gambling. And one story in the game titled Sinnoh Folk Story 3 was altered in all regions in English. The book, found in Canalave Library, alludes to the idea that people used to marry Pokémon because the two were so similar. In the Western version, this was altered slightly. Instead of marrying, people and Pokémon were instead very close, and ate together at the same table. Pokémon Diamond and Pearl's localization also contained scattered references toward internet humor and leet-speak, with many characters using words like owned and noob. Translator No Bogusawara was a member of the Something Awful forums and referenced online culture in the games. One of Nob's inclusions can be seen with a painter on Route 208, who names their painting My Pokémon is Fight. This is a reference to My Tank is Fight, a humorous book on Second World War inventions written by Something Awful user Zach Parsons. Diamond and Pearl were already designed to be the ultimate Pokémon games, but Game Freak knew that Platinum had to be stronger. It was decided that Giratina should embody antimatter, as it was a counterpart to the time and space embodied by Dialga and Palkia. Masuda explained to game designer Takeshi Kawachimaru that there was an antimatter world, a paradox of time and space that exists in relation to Dialga and Palkia. He tried to convey his idea by explaining complicated physics concepts and using the image of an upside-down Mount Fuji reflected off a lake surface. While Kawachimaru didn't understand the concept at first, he felt that he was eventually able to capture the idea's essence in the distortion world. Sinnoh's new Pokémon were designed to surprise players. Art director Ken Sugimori was conscious that not every new Pokémon idea was necessarily good. He wanted players to believe that all new creatures were different to the older ones, but that they were all still Pokémon. They were designed to look a little awkward to players at first. Uno drew from his personal experiences, using his everyday life as inspiration. He started his design process by looking at the Sinnoh region and deciding what kind of Pokémon would live there. The strongest Pokémon were designed first, and many Pokémon ideas were suggested by the team to create and maintain a strategic balance. Evolutions were given to Pokémon that looked like they ought to evolve, and also to Pokémon that would make the game more fun if they evolved. For example, Honchkrow is an extension of Murkrow. Honchkrow's broom-like tail and beard-like feathers also invokes witch and wizard imagery as well as crows and ravens. However, some of its appearance and name is reminiscent of a crime boss. In particular, Honchkrow's English name uses the word honcho, which is derived from the Japanese term for squad leader, or boss. In Japan, this reference is flipped, with the Pokémon's name being Don Karasu. This is a combination of Don, the leader of a mafia syndicate, and Karasu, the Japanese word for crow. Completely new Pokémon, such as Luxray, may take inspiration from the tiger, as well as the lynx or lion. It may even be based on the constellations of Lynx or Leo, due to Shinx and Luxio having star shapes on their tails. Luxray could draw more inspiration from the lynx, however. 
In some European folklore, the lynx could allegedly see through opaque objects. Luxray also has this ability, which can be compared to X-ray vision, linking in with Luxray's etymology. Luxray's Japanese name, Rentorar, is likely a combination of Rontogen, a unit of exposure to ionizing radiation named after its discoverer, as well as Tora, the Japanese word for tiger, as well as a roar sound. Burmy, Wormadam, and Mothim are all based on the bagworm family of moths. Burmy is based on the moth's earlier pupa stage of development, whereas Wormadam and Mothim are based on developed female and male bagworms respectively. Their unique setup of males and females evolving into different Pokémon was based on the fact that only male bagworms fully mature. The female bagworms are often underdeveloped in their final stages, which often have vestigial wings, legs, and mouths. Did you know? Fans predicted the announcement of Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver a week before their official reveal. The Japanese TV show Pokemon Sunday teased a big announcement for the following week. Behind the presenters were two confetti-filled balls, one gold and one silver, something viewers quickly picked up on. The precedent set by Fire Red and Leaf Green led many to correctly guess that Gold and Silver would be the next games to be remade. Perhaps because of this, Nintendo decided to reveal Heart Gold and Soul Silver three days early. The development of Heart Gold and Soul Silver was influenced by many of the series' past successes. The original titles were made to be the ultimate Pokemon games, as nobody on the team thought the series would continue after Gold and Silver. They thought the series would decline in popularity based on previous trends. However, the success of Gold and Silver demonstrated the series' staying power, and so producer Sunakazu Ishihara founded the Pokémon Company to manage the series' brand and marketing. Despite their eventual success, the games weren't created without issue. Developing the special Pokémon Blue and Yellow games led to setbacks in production of the original Gold and Silver. To help fill the gap made by these delays, Ishihara approved the release of the Pocket Pikachu, a pedometer with a screen where Pikachu would appear happier the farther the player walked. An enhanced version known as Pocket Pikachu Color Gold and Silver was also released after Gold and Silver. Creatures Inc. were later involved in making the pedometer bundled with the 2008 Nintendo DS game Personal Trainer Walking. Ishihara again was involved in the project, and even used the pedometer in his personal life by attaching it to his dog's collar during walks. One day during a walk, the device fell off, and Ishihara assumed it was lost until he found it a month later in a muddy puddle. He was impressed that the device was still fully functional, and wanted to use it with Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Ishihara's idea would become the Poker Walker, a pedometer bundled with the games that allowed players to walk their Pokémon. Internally, it was considered something of a successor to the Pocket Pikachu. As the Pocket Pikachu Color launched after Gold and Silver, the team wanted to release a similar device alongside the remakes to show how both the tech and Pokémon had expanded. The team were encouraged to bundle the Pokéwalker with HeartGold and SoulSilver after the success of the wireless adapter that was bundled with Fire Red and Leaf Green. Interestingly, development of the wireless adapter for Pokémon Fire Red and Leaf Green gave the hardware team valuable experience with wireless technology, which they would later use while designing the Nintendo DS. The proposal document for the Pokéwalker was about three times thicker than the document for the Pocket Pikachu. Though the Pokéwalker dropped many features from the original, some additions exceeded expectations. Originally, the plan was to have a handful of Pokémon that could be sent to the Pokéwalker, but this was expanded to include every Pokémon. The Pokéwalker was also influenced by the Pokémon anime. The concept of Pokéballs shrinking in size was pioneered by the anime, and the look of the Pokéwalker was deliberately meant to match the size of the shrunken Pokéballs. The size was also altered to improve its ability to withstand water, inspired by Ishihara's dog-walking story. The Pokéwalker ended up being more impressive than the pedometer it was based on. In a study conducted by Iowa State University, several different pedometers were tested for accuracy when used by someone walking on a treadmill. In comparison to top brands like Digiwalker and Senseware, the Pokéwalker was actually found to have a significantly lower margin of error, making it one of the most accurate pedometers on the market at the time. The researchers who conducted the study also praised the Pokéwalker for helping to make exercise more appealing to children by incorporating video game functionality. Another interesting detail is that the music used in the Pokéwalker menus is actually a new rendition of the music heard when using the Game Boy printer with Pokémon Yellow, Gold, Silver, or Crystal. 
The GB Sounds feature let players listen to the original Game Boy music as they played. However, several of these tracks had to be painstakingly recreated, as they didn't exist in the MIDI format. And tracks such as Unknown Radio posed even more problems, as they were programmed to work directly with the Game Boy's chiptune audio hardware. Additionally, some new tracks had to be composed for some areas. Cerulean City didn't have its own unique music in Generation 2, and other areas like Route 47 and the Global Terminal didn't exist in the original games. Composer Go Ichinose had difficulty making new battle themes for Ho-Oh and Lugia, which both used the standard wild battle theme in Gold and Silver. He asked the original game's composer, Junichi Masuda, to give him an idea of what Lugia's theme should be. Masuda played him just three or four notes, but these were enough to convey the feeling of the theme, and Ichinose finished the song with ease. Ho-Oh proved to be more difficult, as he envisioned it being a peaceful creature. The difficulty came when trying to convey the serenity in a climactic battle theme. Ichinose submitted many proposals, but each one was rejected as it didn't reflect the power and glory of Ho-Oh. The deadline was met, although Ichinose had to tone down the track's peacefulness. Heart Gold and Soul Silver were also influenced by the release of the Nintendo DSi, which launched a few months before the games. Many more Pokémon were added to the games to accommodate players that were unable to trade from the Game Boy Advance games due to the DSi's lack of a Game Boy Advance cartridge slot. The games also have several regional differences. The Sages featured in the games had their designs changed, but only for the Korean versions. The Sprites had their prayer beads removed and a red robe added on one of their shoulders, and they were renamed to Ascetix. These changes were most likely done for religious reasons. There's also a glitch that's exclusive to the Japanese versions. In the Slowpoke Well, there's a place where the player needs to use strength in order to push a boulder out of the way. In the Japanese version, the player is actually able to push this boulder into the water. Even when surfing, the player can continue to freely push this boulder around in the water, although it ultimately doesn't do anything. In the Japanese games, the Game Corner used the slot machine minigame that has been a staple of the series since Red and Blue. However, the international versions of Heart Gold and Soul Silver used another minigame known as Voltorb Flip. This was due to a change in European legislation that automatically earned any game with gambling a 12-plus rating. The data for the Game Corner area can still be found in the international version, alongside an unused map icon for the Poker Gear. This icon resembles Crystal, the female playable character from Pokémon Crystal, perhaps suggesting her design was planned to appear in the remakes instead of Lyra. The game has other potentially cut content. The internal list of attacks that Pokémon can learn officially includes 467 moves. If the player hacks the game to give a Pokémon a move numbered 468, 469, or 470, the moves will actually work as special attacks with a base power and accuracy of 110 pp. Using moves numbered above 470 will simply cause the game to crash, which could indicate at least three more moves were planned at some point in development. Many files relating to the underground from Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum can be found in the data for Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver, suggesting this feature was meant to make a comeback at one point. There are two notable unused items also hidden in the game's files. The first is a photo album that would have held any photos the player took during the game. In the final release, photos are simply stored in the player's PC, making the album redundant. The second unused item is known as the Lock Capsule, which according to its in-game description, can only be opened with a special key. When hacked into the game, the item does nothing. Its original purpose was to be transferred to Pokémon Black and White, where the player could take it to Mr. Lock in Castelia City in order to receive a TM for the move Snarl. If the player obtains the legendary Pokémon Arceus through a special giveaway in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, they can access the Sinyo Ruins area, where they receive their choice of a level 1 Palkia, Dialga, or Giratina. It's actually possible to visit the Sinyo Ruins a second time, but only if the player has a second Arceus obtained from an in-game event in Pokémon Diamond and Pearl that went unused, meaning that this second trip is normally impossible. Should the player hack the game to make the event happen, the hiker who greets them will have new dialogue welcoming them back, and the player will be able to obtain one of the two Pokémon that they didn't choose the first time round. Heart Gold and Soul Silver were also programmed with built-in anti-piracy protection. If the game detects that it's being played on an emulator, it will simply freeze at the start of a Pokémon battle and leave the player's Pokéballs spinning.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. In this episode, we'll be talking about an add-on to the Pokemon series called the Pokemon Mini. Not to be confused with the Pocket Pikachu, you may be wondering just what this thing is, and we wouldn't blame you for that. So, allow us to give you a little rundown. The Pokemon Mini was a console designed and manufactured by Nintendo, specifically made for Pokemon-centric minigames. The system was unveiled in September 2001 at a Nintendo event called the Nintendo Show. Held at Westminster Hall in merry old London, England, it was advertised as a major Pokemon announcement. The Mini was released in North America in November of 2001, with a Japanese launch nearly a month later, and later still in Europe, being released in March of the following year. It's possible that Australia may have been the first market the Mini was available in, with classification for the system's launch title cited as October 3rd, 2001, though the release in the region isn't well documented. The Pokemon Mini aptly holds the title for the smallest cartridge-based Nintendo system ever made, with it weighing in at a grand total of 70 grams, battery and game cartridge included. The cartridges themselves are roughly the size of a postage stamp. Even with its small stature, the console boasted some impressive features, especially for the time. It included an internal real-time clock and timer, being able to keep track of time even when the system was off. It also had an infrared sensor for multiplayer games, with one game in particular able to support up to 10 players at a time. It also came with a built-in rumble feature, as well as a shock detector, which let you control Pokemon on screen by rattling your hand like a, quote, poker fan possessed. The console's battery life also clocked in at a whopping 60-hour lifespan, with the use of a single AAA battery. The Mini came with one game, and was available in three different colors. Wooper Blue, Chikorita Green, and Smoochum Purple, a few of the most popular Pokémon, according to Nintendo UK. The console wasn't as big a success considering it carried the Pokémon name. Marketing was practically non-existent for the system, and it came out the same year as the Game Boy Advance. Despite some of its technical prowess, it couldn't compete with the GBA's capabilities and was seen as more of a toy than a gaming system. The Pokémon Mini could be found stocked in stores for roughly a year factoring in all markets. Only 10 games were developed for the console, and of that total, only Japan received the entire library. Four games made their way to North America, and five were released in Europe. North America saw the likes of Pokémon Pinball Mini, a pinball-style game where Pokémon like Diglett took the place of a pinball plunger, the self-explanatory Pokémon Puzzle Collection, and Pokémon Zany Cards, a collection of card games featuring characters from the Pokémon anime. Pokémon Party Mini came bundled with the system, and served as a showcase of what the console could do, utilizing all of its features across six minigames. Games that were Japan-exclusive included a platform racer hybrid called Pokémon Race Mini, an adventure game called Togepi's Great Adventure, a sequel to Pokémon Puzzle Mini featuring 80 new puzzles, and a follow-up to Party Mini featuring the Pichu Brothers, characters that made their debut in the anime short Pikachu and Pichu, shown alongside the third Pokémon movie. The last game released for the system was Pokémon Breeder Mini in December 2002, a virtual pet-style game, similar to a Tamagotchi. The Mini was released during the second generation of the Pokémon series, with Gold and Silver having released the year before in North America. With Breeder Mini in particular, 
the system briefly overlapped into the third generation, as it features the starter Pokémon from Ruby and Sapphire, which released in Japan a month prior. There's evidence showing a couple mini-titles were considered for a wider release, but it's likely these plans were hampered due to the system's low sales. Puzzle Collection Volume 2 had been classified by the ESRB under E for Everyone, and would have gone under the similar title Pokémon Mini Puzzle Collection Volume 2, but it ultimately stayed in Japan. Similarly, Pokémon Tetris, the game which received localization outside of Japan but did not see release in the United States, also received an ESRB classification and would have been titled Pokémon Mini Shock Tetris. While every other game for the Mini was developed by Japanese studios Jupiter or Denyusha, Pokémon Tetris is the one game in the Mini's library to be developed by Nintendo themselves. As an aside, it's also the last game where Jinx is depicted with its original skin coloring. This version of Tetris is regarded as one of the best games released for the Mini, and has a high asking price on the second-hand market. The European release is especially elusive, with only a few thousand copies ever being printed. The Pokémon Mini concept would be tackled one more time the following year, showing up on the Nintendo GameCube release of the game Pokémon Channel, where it likely received the most exposure. The game has a built-in emulator for the Mini, and games are obtained through the Shop and Squirtle channel where the player can buy various items. The games available for play are altered or stripped down from their original versions. Half of the games came from Pokémon Party Mini, and it's likely the remaining three from the collection weren't ported over due to the unique nature of how they controlled and played on the original hardware. Pokémon Channel also featured an all-new game exclusive to the title called Snorlax's Lunchtime, where the player helps a Snorlax decide what's edible and what isn't. If Snorlax tries to chow down on a Pichu, the game ends. While the Mini didn't leave much of an impression, it did find another lease of life in a different realm of the gaming scene. With the advent of the console receiving an emulator on the GameCube, it allowed people to understand the hardware better, eventually leading to a homebrew scene among hackers. A group of coders under the name Team Pokemi went under the hood and developed a flashcard demo called Shizzle in 2004. This demo was first shown off at German demo scene Breakpoint in 2005, and excited the community, showcasing 3D effects and many other features previously thought impossible on the Mini. They've since made the tools available for others to create their own games, and a number of titles are available for the system, with a few more in development at the time of this video. All games are featured on Team Pokemi's website, PokemonMini.net. The community has also taken the time to preserve the original hardware with scans of some of the original game's instruction manuals, as well as enhance the console itself, with customizable colors and even a mod to introduce a built-in backlight. Over the years, the team has also taken the five Pokémon games released only in Japan and given them full English translations, with the final game being translated in May 2019. All games are available via flashcard or emulation, including the GameCube-exclusive Snorlax's Lunchtime. The team also covered news of a Pokémon Mini prototype that was up for sale on eBay in 2016. The seller had said the system wasn't working anymore, and it came with a cartridge reading Sample 01011. It's not known what this cartridge might have held, be it an early prototype of a final game, an unreleased game, or possibly something else entirely, as the person who bought the system has remained anonymous ever since. Did you know? While the name Pikachu may seem like it's inspired by the Pika, a mountainous rodent, the name actually comes from two Japanese onomatopoeias. According to series creator Satoshi Tajiri, the name is a blend of Pika Pika, the sound for electricity sparking, and Choo Choo, the sound of a mouse squeaking. Similarly, Pikachu's evolution Raichu comes from Rai, the Japanese word for thunder, and Choo. As the series mascot, Pikachu has received a lot of public attention. The character has appeared on airplanes, as a balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and even as an official representative for Japan's soccer team during the 2014 World Cup. 
But unthinkable as it may seem today, Pikachu was not always planned to be Pokemon's biggest icon. In an interview with Time Tokyo, Tajiri revealed that Pikachu only became the face of Pokemon during the pre-production on the animated series. Tajiri said, When they did the anime, they wanted a specific character to focus on. Pikachu was relatively popular compared with the others, and potentially both boys and girls would like it. They heard a lot of opinions about this. It wasn't my idea. Pokemon's first manga adaptation, named simply Pokemon Pocket Monsters, didn't initially star Pikachu. Predating the anime by about five months, the book instead featured Clefairy as the protagonist Red's partner. According to Joseph Tobin in the book Pikachu's Global Adventure, The Rise and Fall of Pokemon, Clefairy was chosen to make the book more engaging. Because of this, it's possible that Clefairy could have been the face of the series if it weren't for Pikachu's popularity and focus tests. And since the character is yellow, a primary color, it was theorized that Pikachu may be more recognizable to younger audiences. There was also less competition among yellow characters at the time, with the only standout example being Winnie the Pooh. Another surprising fact is that series artist Ken Sugimori didn't design Pikachu. He simply did the final illustration for the character. Instead, Pikachu was designed by Atsuko Nishida, who allegedly helped design around 30 of the original 151 Pokémon. Like most Pokémon in the anime, Pikachu communicates by saying some or all of its name. However, unique to Ash's Pikachu are recognizable phrases that have specific meanings. Pika-Pi, for example, means Satoshi, which is Ash's Japanese name. Pikachu's speech was also once planned to be even more diverse. Originally, Pokémon were supposed to gradually learn Japanese over an extended period of time, with Pikachu planned to speak similarly to a baby. These ideas were, of course, scrapped. Pikachu's voice actress, Akui Otani, was initially disappointed by her lack of a full speaking role. This disappointment left her when she realized her performance was being heard by audiences worldwide. Due to a misunderstanding, Otani thought she was auditioning for the part of Pikachu's rival, Meowth. She appeared at the audition with the wrong script and nearly missed her call to audition for the character. Otani's voice was also featured as an easter egg in Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, and is used instead of a traditional cry if the player imports their Pikachu from Pokemon Yellow. Pikachu did eventually learn the language of humans, speaking in a comically deep, timber voice in the adventure game Detective Pikachu – Birth of a New Team. The fan-made English trailer by the YouTube user TealHollow1 imagined how a Western version might sound, dubbing Pikachu with lines by American actor Danny DeVito. The trailer helped spark a push to have DeVito voice the character, but the actor publicly declined, stating he'd never even heard of Pokémon. Pikachu's impact can be seen extensively in the real world. Each year, the island nation of Niue releases commemorative coins depicting characters from various franchises. These coins were made to heighten global awareness of Niue and its economy, and have featured franchises such as Star Wars, Doctor Who, and various Disney properties. In 2001, the country released commemorative Pokémon coins, displaying Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle, and of course, Pikachu. The coins have since become collector's items, fetching a high price online. Another example of Pikachu's fame took place in the Lower District Garden of New Orleans, where a five-foot-tall Pikachu sculpture appeared overnight. The statue appeared on July 31, 2016, during the height of Pokemon Go's popularity. It remains unclear who was responsible for the stunt, or how they erected the statue without anybody noticing. The statue was removed soon after, and the anonymous artist auctioned it off. The sculpture was sold for $2,000, and the proceeds were used to restore the park's fountains. Pikachu even influenced the naming of a retinal protein. The protein Pikachurin was discovered by researchers at the Osaka Bioscience Institute in 2008. Pikachurin is essential for transmitting visual electric information to the brain, and is important for tracking moving objects. Without this protein, information would take many times longer to reach the brain. The protein was named after Pikachu due to the character's association with electricity and speed, and its discovery will potentially lead to better treatment for vision disorders. Pikachu's fame soon led to the Pokémon getting its own game, Hey You Pikachu. This was one of only two games to use the Nintendo 64's voice recognition unit, and the only one released in the West. However, the title was never released in Europe. A number of alterations were made to the game's American version, most of which relate to cultural differences. In the Japanese version of the game, shoes can be seen outside a glass door of the player's room. It's customary in Japan for people to take their shoes off before stepping indoors. The shoes were removed in the American version as this custom is less common. The game also references the Nintendo 64 which can be found in the player's home. And while the N64 looks accurate in the American version, the model in its Japanese version is fairly inaccurate. The console has two gray lines running down it, and its cartridges resemble that of an American Super Nintendo. 
When the Nintendo DS was unveiled at E3 2004, a line of tech demos were shown to illustrate the system's features. One of these games, simply titled Pikachu DS, was compared to Hey You Pikachu by those who played it. Similar to the N64 game, the player interacted with Pikachu in various ways, this time using the DS's touchscreen. In the US TV spot of Hey You Pikachu, a girl asks her brother how he knows Pikachu is a boy. Although this wasn't a feature at the time, it is now possible to tell what sex a Pikachu is at a glance. One of Pikachu's signature moves, Volt Tackle, is named Volt Tacker in Japanese. The name references a move used by Pulseman, the hero of Game Freak's previous project before Pokemon. Pulseman's Volt Tacker is named after the signature move of the Tatsunoko character Tekaman, Volteca. Did you know? Hitmonchan is named after Jackie Chan in the English versions of Pokemon, but that isn't the case all around the world. In Japan, Hitmonchan is named after Japanese boxing champion Hiroyuki Ebihara, and in France, he's named after Mike Tyson. In total, there were six different language versions of Pokemon's first generation – Japanese, English, French, German, Spanish, and Italian – and they're all different in their own unique ways. Some deviations were pretty minor, like how the TV in Pallet Town is playing the movie Stand By Me in all six versions, except for in France. The game's French translator was a huge anime fan, so he changed the TV's description to an episode of Dragon Ball. But other changes were more significant, like the one that gave birth to Bim, a Pokegod exclusive to the German fandom. For today's episode, we managed to hunt down some of the translators who worked on Pokemon Red and Blue, and they spilled the beans on how it all went down back in the 90s. So I hope you'll forgive any mispronunciations on my part as we explore how the first generation of Pokemon games were changed all around the world. Pokemon first launched in Japan in early 1996 as Pokemon Red and Green. These versions featured the original 151 Pokemon sprites, none of which were ever used internationally. About nine months later, Red and Green were followed up with Pokemon Blue, a new and improved version with updated graphics and fewer glitches. In Pokemon Blue, all 151 Pokemon were given brand new sprites, and trees, grass, signposts, stumps, and lots more visual details were upgraded as well. And there were other small changes, like new Pokedex entries and a new layout for the Unknown Dungeon. All the international versions were mostly based on Japanese blue, so the unique details only present in red and green, like the original sprites, weird glitches, and old graphics, were never seen outside of Japan. Much to everyone's surprise, Pokemon became a massive success in Japan. Even Game Freak was shocked when it climbed to number one on Japanese sales charts. The games got so unbelievably popular that Nintendo decided to export the franchise overseas, starting with the largest economy in the world, the United States. Instead of red and green, the games would be called red and blue. This was a marketing decision, as those are the colors of the American flag and could perhaps boost sales in the region. But there was more to consider beyond just the game's titles. Localizing Pokemon for the American market was a huge investment, and Nintendo viewed it as a gamble that was probably going to end up losing them a lot of money. In 1999, Pokemon Company CEO Ishihara shed some light on the situation. At the time, it was widely believed that American kids would never want to play games with a lot of text, so we thought Pokemon only had about a 10% chance of success outside Japan. The first time we showed off some Pokemon in the US, we were told they were too cute. The staff in America submitted their ideas for replacement designs, but we just couldn't believe the kind of stuff they were proposing. They turned Pikachu into something like a tiger with huge breasts. It looked like a character from the musical Cats. When I asked, how is this supposed to be Pikachu, they said, well look, there's its tail right there. Seriously, that was the kind of stuff being proposed. But fortunately, Game Freak put their foot down and refused to change the Pokemon's designs. If they hadn't, the results could have been disastrous. The Pokemon designs were left intact, but Nintendo did end up changing most of the Pokemon's names. All the big words, the ones in all caps like character and Pokemon names, cities, items, and attacks, were created by Nintendo of America staffer Hiro Nakamura, with some help from Nintendo Treehouse and an assistant. But all the small words, comprising about 99% of the game's text, were all translated by just one man, a Canadian freelancer named Nob Ogasawara. We got a chance to interview Nob for this video, and he explained to us how exactly it all went down. He was working for some gaming magazines as a foreign correspondent in Japan, until one day he was lucky enough to get poached by Nintendo of America to come work freelance as a video game translator. A year later, Nob's bosses invited him into their office to quiz him on his Pokemon knowledge. 
Fortunately, he was already a big fan of the Japanese games, so he aced their test and they brought him on board. But before we get any deeper into this story, I'd like to point out that translating is an art form, not a science. A translator's skill, personality, and even their hobbies can all affect the way a translation comes out in the end. In a lot of ways, Red and Blue weren't only shaped by Game Freak, they were also shaped by translators like Knob. For example, in the Japanese games, when you reach Verdian City, your progress is blocked by an old man lying on the ground. His granddaughter says you have to wait for him to sober up, then after you've delivered Oak's parcel, he's back on his feet and says, Looks like I was pretty drunk. My head hurts. Knob cut out all the booze talk in the English version, instead having the girl say he just hadn't had his morning coffee yet. Likewise, in Japanese, there's a hiker who laughs maniacally because he's stoned on magic mushrooms. But Knob changed this text so the hiker just had a bad case of hay fever. And in Celadon City, there's a house with a Buddhist shrine inside, which Knob changed the description of to make it a Diglett sculpture. To be clear, none of these changes were ordered by Nintendo. Knob changed them all on his own, and he even made some minor changes to series canon. In Japan, there's a scientist in the Selfco building who says there's another Selfco branch along the Pakamanaya Tangaska River in Russia. But in English, the scientist says the other Sylph branch is actually in Tixi, in Russian No Man's Land, which is located about a thousand miles distance from the river. Why did Nob change the canonical location of Sylphco's Russian branch? He says it's because Pakamanaya Tunguska River was just too long, and Tixi's much shorter at just five letters. But in hindsight, he now says he actually regrets making this revision. Some of Nob's favorite music, movies, and TV shows made their way into red and blue as well. A rocket grunt who wants you to join his gang on Nugget Bridge says he's going to make you an offer you can't refuse, an iconic line from The Godfather. And a hiker in the rock tunnel says, hit me with your best shot. Then after you defeat him, he says, fire it away. Two lines from the chorus of Pat Benatar's hit song, hit me with your best shot. Initiating a battle, a Pokemaniac shouts, Pokemon fight, ready, go, referencing the 90s anime Mobile Fighter G Gundam, where mobile suit battles always begin with the fighters yelling, Gundam fight, ready, go. But for all the changes Nob did make, there were also some changes he wanted to make, but Nintendo didn't allow. For one, Nob wanted to change Mr. Mime's name, because he anticipated that Pokemon genders would be introduced in future generations, which of course is exactly what happened in Gen 2, awkwardly resulting in lots of female Mr. Mime. In Viridian City, there's a girl who's nicknamed her Spiro, in Japanese it's called Onichan. To better fit with American culture, Nob changed Spiro's nickname to Britney, named after Britney Spears, so it was something like Britney Spiro. However, the higher-ups didn't like this joke one bit and changed Spiro's nickname to Speary and told Nob that any more of these sorts of shenanigans would end in instant termination. There's a lot of Nob in Gen 1, but as a freelancer, it wasn't until Gen 3 that he finally got enough clout to start making the big decisions. Nob's English translation was later used as a base and localized for the German, French, Spanish, and Italian markets. Each language was handled by one or two translators apiece, all working side by side at Nintendo of Europe HQ in Germany. Of these seven translators, the most famous and historically significant is Julian Bartikoff of France. According to Julian, Nintendo originally wanted to use the Japanese Pokemon names in Europe because they thought it would be too complicated to trademark hundreds of names across different countries. But Julian explained to Nintendo that the Japanese names weren't going to play too well in France. He told them Squirtle's Japanese name Zenagami sounds like the French word for stoner, and Charmander's Japanese name sounds like the French slang word for feces. Nintendo didn't seem to fully trust Julian, but ultimately they gave in and they let him give all the Pokemon new French names. And thanks to Julian, France may have ended up with the best name localizations of any region, better even than the English games. We interviewed Julian and he told us that he implemented as many legends and fairy tales into Pokemon names as possible. For example, he named the legendary bird trio after the Nordic gods Odin and Thor, as well as Ra, the Egyptian sun god. The French name for Beedrill drew inspiration from the Three Musketeers D'Artagnan, and he named Gyarados after Leviathan, the Bible's gigantic sea serpent. He named Farfetch'd Can Artichoke, which means Duck Artichoke. This confused a lot of fans because Farfetch'd actually holds a leak, not an artichoke. But Julian says this was actually his idea of a prank, a way to trick fans into thinking that Farfetch'd had an evolved form that wields an artichoke. Knob almost got fired for nicknaming a Spiro after Britney Spears, but Julian had a lot more freedom to make his mark on Kanto. In English versions, there's a far-fetched nickname Ducks, but Julian changed his nickname to Julio, named after himself of course, and he nicknamed a few more Pokemon after some of his best friends. And just like Knob, Julian injected many of his own interests into the games as well. One of Koga's lackeys in the Fuchsia City Gym references a Japanese show that was popular in France at the time, Space Sheriff Gavin. 
He says, I want to be a ninja and jump from tree to tree, like on TV, like X-Hog the Space Pig. And in French, the attack Minimize was renamed Lilliput, because in the 18th century book Gulliver's Travels, Gulliver was taken prisoner by a town of tiny people on an island called Lilliput. There are many more details that make the French localization truly unique, probably too many to count. But suffice it to say, Julian had a huge impact on the Pokemon franchise in France. Thanks to Julian, Germany ended up getting unique Pokemon names as well, like how Geodude was renamed Kleinstein after the famous German physicist Albert Einstein. But the name Kleinstein works on another level as well, because in German, Kleinstein means small stone. Most English speakers are familiar with the magic incantation Abracadabra Alkazam, but in Germany, magicians say Abracadabra Simsala Bin, so the Germans changed Alkazam's name to Simsala. But the final word of the incantation, Bin, was missing, so German kids were convinced there was a secret fourth evolution called Bin. American playgrounds were rampant with rumors of the so-called polka gods, like Mew3 and Peekaboo, but in Germany, Bin was one of the most sought-after polka gods of them all. Lance the Dragon Trainer was renamed Siegfried after Germanic mythology's Siegfried the Dragon Slayer, who killed the cursed dragon Fafnir and bathed in his blood. Just like most everything made in Germany, their localization was efficient and accurate, a pretty straightforward German translation of Nob's English translation. It didn't contain too many errors, but also maybe didn't employ as much imagination as the French version. Unlike the other four languages, Italy and Spain didn't get their own unique Pokemon names. They simply reused the English names. We'd always wondered why, so we got in touch with Italian localizer Elena Fogazzaro, who explained that Nintendo already had an organized structure in place for translating French and German, but not for Italian and Spanish. In fact, Elena and her partner Leonardo were the first Italian translators that Nintendo hired for any game, ever. Translating Red and Blue into Italian and Spanish at all was an experiment for Nintendo, an experiment that they didn't think would pay off. But Nintendo's lack of confidence ended up having consequences that echoed into the future. To this day, Italy and Spain still don't have unique Pokemon names. After passing on Gen 1, it would have been weird to start in Gen 2, so recycling English names just became the norm. Every localization has some mistakes, but the Italian and Spanish versions have a particularly bad reputation for containing lots of translation errors. For example, in Spanish, when you hook a Pokemon with a fishing rod, like a Magikarp for example, instead of the game telling you the hook Magikarp attacked, it says El Malvado Magikarp Attacko, which means the evil Magikarp attacked. The attack slam was translated as Portazo, which instead of something like a body slam actually means to slam a door. As a result, Spanish kids grew up thinking that fish Pokemon were evil and that Pokemon routinely slammed doors on each other. In Italy, the attack pound was translated as libra, the form of pound used for weight measurements or for describing British currency. Glare was translated as bagliori, which instead of a fierce gaze is the definition of glare that refers to a harsh light reflection, like when sunlight shines on a TV screen. Spanish and Italian fans have long wondered exactly how the translators made so many obvious mistakes. When we asked Elena, she painted a picture of a translation process mired by disorganization and a lack of information, starting from day one. Elena and her partner were actually hired to translate Red and Blue from German into Italian, and traveled to Nintendo of Europe headquarters to do just that. But when they arrived, they discovered the games weren't in German, they were actually in English. Luckily, they could speak English as well, so they told Nintendo they could do the translations anyway, despite them essentially being hired for the wrong job. Elena told us, Everything was very badly organized for translation at that time. We barely had a computer, just one PC for two translators after waiting for two days. We were given several lists of words to translate without any information, zero context, and with space limitations. The lists were very long, but due to secrecy reasons, nobody told us what they were for. Nobody told us these were attacks or items or stats. Everything was mixed up and really difficult to understand. In other words, they were handed lists of words like slam and pound out of context and were only given a few weeks to complete the job. So it's really no surprise that the Spanish and Italian versions turned out the way that they did. The European localizations were all based on Nob's English translation, so a lot of the changes Nob made were repeated around the world, including some mistakes. The most famous mistake can be found on Cinnabar Island. In Japanese Red and Green, there's an NPC who trades you an Electrode for your Raichu. In Japanese Blue, this was changed to trading your Kadabra for his Graveler, and afterwards he'd say your Kadabra evolved, because of course Kadabra evolves into Alakazam when traded. The English version of Red used the original Raichu Electrode trade from Japanese Red, but the devs used the text from Japanese Blue where the NPC says your Kadabra evolved. 
They swapped out Kadabra's name with Raichu in the dialogue, but failed to realize this resulted in an impossibility, with the NPC now saying, the Raichu you traded to me went and evolved. Two decades later, Game Freak revealed that Raichu originally had an evolution named Gorichu that was cut from Gen 1 due to a lack of cartridge space. This led some fans to believe the dialogue about Raichu evolving was a reference to Gorichu that the developers accidentally left in the game, but in reality, it was just a coincidental translation error. Did you know? Many of the creatures made for the Pokemon series first and second generations were revised or simply scrapped altogether. While some Pokemon were slightly redesigned, there have been whole Pokemon lines that were removed or cut down, even late into development. Sometimes these cut Pokemon would appear in later generations, but several never saw the light of day. Before we begin, I'd like to give a special shout out to the Helix Chamber, Dr. Lava, and the countless fans who dedicated their time to the research of Pokemon beta content. My name is Ben Bertoli, and joining me today is Push Dustin. We hope you'll join us as we dive into the unknown. It's important to keep in mind that many of the names and illustrations used in this video are not official. They are, however, based on real in-game sprites and concept art unearthed by fans over the years. When it came time to choose what monsters would make the official roster for the first two Pokemon games, Red and Green, Game Freak decided to hold an intra-company poll. Some of the Pokemon mentioned in this video first premiered in images replicating that poll, seen in the Satoshi Tajiri manga. A full resolution image of the poll was never released, but that hasn't stopped fans from trying their best to squeeze every detail from the smallest of images. It's at this time that we feel the need to note that many of the Pokemon listed here in this video have names that are very descriptive of the creature and were never localized nor finalized. We will be using the official names whenever possible, but please keep in mind a decent amount of these Pokemon never received actual names. Plants and animals both living and extinct are perhaps the biggest influence for Pokemon, so it's no surprise that many of the monsters that didn't make it were modeled after various forms of wildlife. Some of the best examples include Kuroki, a crocodile with luxurious hair, Diao, a deer covered in alien-looking spikes, Jagu, a hammer-headed shark with a harpoon-like nose, and Kakutatsu, a captivating cactus creature. The monstrous Gaon was also scrapped. This Pokemon was likely inspired by Godzilla, and its name is rumored to be based on the kaiju's iconic screech. And then there's Barunda. This literal balloon Pokemon just didn't have what it took to rise to the top, and it seemed that Jigglypuff would go on to take its place as the original balloon Pokemon. Not every Pokemon was ousted after their initial design. Early designs of the Weedle and Poliwag families were actually shown off on Game Freak's website in 1997. The post has been archived by Pokefans and shows a number of drastic differences. The first design found on the old website was actually one of Dragonair, who was updated with a sleeker look. Weedle, Kakuna, and Beedrill would be updated in order to make their final evolution cooler, while the Poliwag line was also updated to make sure its final evolution, Polyrath, lined up with the design of its previous stages and appeared stronger. In a Bombshell interview from summer 2018, it was revealed that Game Freak had initially planned a second evolution for Pikachu after Raichu. This final form was named Gorochu and would have featured fangs and a powerful horn. The back sprite of this fabled evolution would eventually be uncovered, showcasing its glorious horn for all the world to see. According to Pokemon character designer Ken Sugimori, Gorochu was cut from the games due to issues regarding gameplay balance. What a shame. In February 2019, a compilation of assets from Pokemon's first generation were leaked online. The Pokemon prototype preservation site, the Helix Chamber, documented this early build and its lost Pokemon. Due to Game Freak's optimization during Red and Green's production, it was only the Pokemon's back sprites that survived. Zamus Clark, known online by his handle Wacko, was reportedly responsible for leaking the prototype, along with other beta content. At the time, Clark was only 24 years old, and he managed to avoid jail time, receiving a 15-month jail suspension instead. Clark was also rumored to be the source behind the Gold and Silver Space World demo leak and the discovery of Generation 4 beta sprites. When the Helix Chamber showed off their recreations of the back sprites in the stream in February 2019, there was some controversy among beta Pokemon fans. This was due to multiple factors. The first was that Helix Chamber didn't clarify that some of the assets in the ROM hack were unofficial. There are also issues with the way that information was presented. Some sites, such as Nintendo Soup, mistakenly stated that some of the content in the stream was official. After the live stream, the Helix Chamber clarified that only the back sprites were replicas, while the front sprites were completely fan-made. They also clarified which content was recreated and made the decision to remove any fan-created content from their website. This helped clear up confusion. 
Despite the fact the front sprites weren't retrievable, there was, and still is, a wealth of knowledge to be found from the back sprites. One example was a Snow Yeti, possibly named Boo. It's speculated this phantom may have been a male counterpart to Jinx. It seems a Zubat pre-evolution may have also been planned. For a long time, fans were confused about the duplicate Zubat cry present in the game. With the prototype leaked, light was shed on the extra cry, and fans were able to see what this baby bat would have looked like. Speaking of pre-evolutions, it appears Vulpix was going to have a baby form as well. Named Mekon in what is referred to as the Space World leak, this baby fox would have had only three tails. The Pokedex entry for Vulpix in the final version of Generation 1 reflects this as it says, at the time of birth, it has just one tail. The tail splits from its tip as it grows older. It seems baby forms of both Meowth and Ponyta were also planned to show up in the original games. Other Pokemon lost their later evolutions. Psyduck had a middle evolution stage before Golduck at one point, which fans lovingly refer to as Weird Duck. Marowak also had a third evolution which was scrapped. The back sprite seems to show this newest stage holding a baby Cubone, finally giving the Cubone family the happy ending it so desperately needed. This parent-holding-child design also lined up with the theory that the Pokemon Kangaskhan was originally going to be part of the Cubone line. That being said, it seems the final Cubone stage and Kangaskhan coexisted at one point. Squirtle Evolution's Wartortle and Blastoise were originally two different families of Pokemon. In the leaked assets, a baby Blastoise and a beefed-up Wartortle can be found. In the end, these families were merged by Game Freak during Pokemon Red and Green's development, possibly for balancing reasons or to make Wartortle and Blastoise more cohesive. The second generation of Pokemon is easily the best documented when it comes to cut and beta content. This is due to the previously mentioned gold and silver prototype leak. This leak is usually referred to as the Space World demo, as it resembles the content that was previously seen in the demo for Nintendo's then yearly gaming showcase, known as Space World. Japanese fans who were lucky enough to attend the show in 1999 were given the chance to play an early version of Gold and Silver, which had a number of differences from the final game. It also revealed a lot of crossovers with Generation 1, likely due to the development times being so close together. Some of the sprites found in the leak were identical to Pokemon Blue, which was a revised version of Pokemon Red and Green in Japan. Gold and Silver formally introduced pre-evolutions to the series, which meant that some players' favorite Pokemon got adorable baby forms. As well as those in the final game, Meowth, Ponyta, and Vulpix's pre-evolution were revisited in Gold and Silver's initial stages. The leak showed that Tangela had a baby form and a second stage evolution planned. Tangela would eventually see a second stage called Tangrowth in a later generation, but Tangrowth and the better version would be drastically different. Other abandoned babies include Paris, Grimer, Goldeen, Growlithe, and Dudul. A baby version of Mr. Mime was also cut, but the concept would be visited again in a later generation. The second generation Giraffarig also had a pre-evolution, which looked like two spooky ghosts attached in the middle. Some baby forms were kept, but still were drastically changed. Pichu, Cleffa, Igglypuff, Smoochum, Elekid, Magby, and Tyrogue would see redesigns before the launch of Gold and Silver. Baby Pokemon weren't the only ones who didn't make the official roster. Some evolutions in entire lines never made it past the prototype stage. Those that lost evolutions included Quillfish, Weepin' Bell, Lickitung, Farfetch'd, and Ditto. Some of these, like Farfetch'd and Lickitung, would eventually see second stage evolutions down the line, both quite different from their original designs. Weepin' Bell and Ditto were planned to have evolutions tied to items, evolving with the help of a poison stone and a metal coat, respectively. This planned metal Ditto looked especially silly, with its pointy head and gaping mouth. Pinsir had a planned evolution that almost looked like one of Evangelion's angels. Porygon 2 also changed substantially, going from a lion made of spheres to a smoothed-out version of the original Porygon. An overgrown Leafeon was set to appear, but was nixed before launch. The Pokemon Jump Pluff, Blissey, Octillery, and Politoed featured decently drastic changes throughout development. The three legendary dogs, Raikou, Entei, and Suicune, would all be redone to appear more powerful and a bit less... emo. A fair share of Gen 2 starters and their evolutions were reworked drastically. Chikorita's second form, Bayleaf, was revised to look more like a dinosaur. The entire fire starter line was originally based on a series of bears, and the water starter line was set to resemble a trio of seal-like dinosaurs. The Totodile line would replace these designs in the end, but another seal Pokemon, Poplio, would show up in Generation 7 as a starter. 
other water Pokemon included the first draft design of Remoraid, who resembled a revolver, and Bomushika, a sea lion Pokemon who balanced a flaming ball on its nose. Bomushika would have been the first fire and water type to exist in the Pokemon series, a combination that was seen many years later in Generation 6's mythical Volcanion. A full line of aquatic Pokemon were cut, with each stage representing a different undersea creature. Manbo the Sunfish evolved into Ikari the Anchor-Tailed Shark, and finally, Rotesu, an elongated anglerfish. There's a fan theory that Ikari may have been originally planned to inhabit Johto's Lake of Rage. Ikari means both rage and anchor in Japanese, so it's possible the feisty shark was set to be the lake's big draw, but was instead replaced by the iconic Red Gyarados. Along with the Akari line, there were plenty of other Pokemon that never made it to the final game. This included a creepy voodoo doll and its even creepier evolution that seemed to be the corpse of a dead panda, a two-stage werewolf family, and the female cat Rinrin and its evolution Balulin were nixed. A Pokemon based on Slowking's shell crown was also cut. The electric tiger Pokemon Kotola and its evolution Raitola, both seen in prototypes for the first generation, returned in the Space World Demo League. Both would be cut once more. With the newer generations, there would be less information about cut and prototype Pokemon. This is because fewer assets would be leaked, and the developers were more careful in sharing details and artwork. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.